Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 358, and today we'll be talking about Oscar and his demon from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, I'm... for an episode like this, I think the best place to start is at the ending. That was a pretty scathing monologue, don't you think? This episode was, in some part, just a setup for a diatribe on the foolishness of following the one rule at the library and i give it credit for that i love that we end with uh simply calling out any person who's ever shushed someone else at a library because they've never and they will never get to understand what it's like to be human apparently yeah i i think that's the moral i don't know like it's not just shushing people at the library it's all sorts of Similar social expectation rules, like don't dance at the bank. Yes, the common social expectation to not dance at the bank. Like, if if you've watched the episode of We Bear Bears, I can't remember the title, but it's the one where Panda gets to be the one on top because, oh, it's Brother Up, uh, where Panda's on top, and they, they play this bubblegum pop song called Get Up and Dance, and it's just like this manic girl singer, and it's like, that's, that is what I think he is advocating you do at least just once. It It's honestly a little inspiring. <laughs> it's a joke, but it's also a real call to say, hey, rules don't take precedence over being authentic, especially in settings where rules are meant to be helpful. Like, rules are meant to be helpful, but sometimes we feel emotions and we're loud at libraries. And it's okay, and maybe you should be empathetic. It's it's great. The The funniest thing is they're, they're shushing people, like, far, far away from the library when in other episodes they've been able to talk just fine inside the library. So they must have some special study group going on. It's the only explanation I can think of. You know, because when I think of Summer Camp Island, you know, deep sanctity to the canon. So there must be a canonical explanation for why they're shushing people so aggressively now. Well, what I don't get is, so I love the setup. I love in the first 30 seconds, it's very easily communicated to us that, hey, outdoors, not going to be uh, a place where we can talk because, you know, the library door is ajar, right? And we don't have the ingredients for the door repair potion. Of course, which for some reason Hedgehog doesn't go and get because... Of no reason? <laughs> We're just putting the responsibility on Oscar. She has to sit around holding her her potion glass or whatever that is. Right. I mean, it's just she's getting disappointed or frustrated with Oscar later in the episode. And I'm like, uh, you could have gotten it, girl. I don't know what you're all, you know, Oscar's out here trying his best. Okay, who do you think broke the door? Well, that's actually a great question. I don't think we get many hints of that. I have my own suspicions. Well, hmm. See, what I was thinking of, though, that's not related to that, is... You know he broke it, though. You know it was Oscar who broke it. That would make a lot of sense, though, wouldn't it? To make him the one that's responsible. But why was he out just wandering around outside first? It feels like he stumbles upon the door being broken. But that's not true, because I guess he shushes the trumpeteer at the start. Or the flautist. Yeah, he was out there shushing while they figured out what to do. They were making the list for the potion. It does seem like an Oscar screw-up. You know, I'll take that as the headcanon, because it makes sense for then why he would be responsible. So, completely random question, though. Why could they not talk inside the mess hall, though? With the doors closed. With no windows open. 
because I guess those monsters' ears are very, very, very sensitive. I mean, you even had the woodpeckers were in my mode. That's how serious it is. Oh, I very much enjoyed the woodland creatures also participating, especially the bees all lined up in a branch with buzz spelled out in their little signs they were holding up. That was genius. Although I think probably, yeah, the mime woodpecker wins most genius joke. Yeah. Biggest brain. Now you want to talk about jokes. What about callbacks? Was Howard sizing up bushes as potential bathrooms? Oh my god. One, I hope not. Two, I hope so. Holy crap. That is a horrifying thought. That can't be why he was measuring bushes. That has to be a happy coincidence. But then again, it is Howard. Did you see that little shimmy he did with his butt while he was, uh, after he measured that first one? That's such a... (laughs) inappropriate joke. (laughs) Why? Hey, sometimes the monster's gotta go in the woods. You gotta be prepared. Wow, I mean, you're so right. That's awful. (laughs) I can't believe they put that in. Call back to director's cut, baby. Oh my god. Yeah, I like that Howard was basically useless, though, but really, you know, had Oscar all pumped up, and I loved how assured Oscar looked in his arms crossing the bridge, but of course it, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, unfortunately, Howard is a coward. It's right there in the name. It's right there in the name. I loved how, you know, we've been talking about sort of the jazz and how the music accompanies different episodes. I think it's mostly you've been talking about it. Yeah. I, I miss all of this. <laughs> when I say we, I mean me. But this episode, having it very silent, definitely sets it apart. And it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not just that they're not talking. It's that that music's gone the whole time. So we're really focused on every little sound. I I love that attention. But the best sound in this episode was easily the chain, which I have to believe was included just because of the sound. Because I don't even know where you come up with that. It's ridiculous. That, That was unsettling. Yes. Yeah. Chain is just the perfect unsettling sound. There's just something. I don't know, we associate it with prisons, with death, the rattling of bones is like the rattling of chains, I don't know. And it also was ridiculous because the hook and its mechanism for picking up the orange doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Neither does, like, collecting a whole length of oranges on the chain. Don't know how that happened. That was the funny part. It was so good. (laughs) Uh, Now, there there were two incidents at the mess hall. Uh, the, the first time Oscar left, when, when he left with the single orange, I was like 90% expecting somebody to shush the door as it shut. Um, unfortunately, I did not get a shush <laughs> of the door. But we did get a dirty look when somebody dared to open a soda can. And we get the only person who gets subtitles this episode is they wanted us to make sure we knew that Lucy is crushing on Oscar. That was so adorable. They put in those subtitles so we know. It was great because it was a non sequitur, too. Just completely throw out there, yo, Lucy is calling out that Oscar is cute. And that was it. (laughs) It had no relevance to the plot. I mean, she's right. I, yeah, it was like, because I guess everyone was silent, it was the opportunity to do it in silence instead of having her say it, which would be a little stranger. So that's cool. Low character development. 
So canonically, the name of the rabbit is Cutie, which is kind of a problem for me because, you know, the only person I like to call Cutie is the illegal fusion who yellow blasts at the end of Together Alone. Or was it Alone Together? Uh, Alone Together. Together Alone. Together Alone. I I think it's Together Alone. Alone Together is the first Devani one. This is the... Is it the last Devani one? Okay, before we get completely lost, and in case anyone hasn't watched Universe with our random references, yes, there was a... She is a a cutie, though. There was a fusion that people, I think more than just you, called, like, cutie, but no, no official name. So I'm glad that at least this rabbit got an official name. I do think the eyes are a little bit... They fooled us a little bit, because the eyes blink in some part. I think he can see through them, because when Oscar has his monster disguise, he knocks on the tree, and he looks up first with the, the fake eyes, and then it, it's, like, it's, like when somebody, it's like when somebody wears glasses, like, lifts the glasses up to make sure the glasses aren't distorting his vision. So I think he can see through those. At minimum, I think he is aware that the ears look dangerous and is using them that way, like, you know, a defense mechanism, butterfly wings. Uh, you know, I think it's the exact same way that Oscar was using his thing. He's a coward, and so he puffs himself up to look dangerous so he can scare somebody else. Except in this case, he scared somebody who was doing the exact same thing to him. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of, like, just be yourselfiness to this episode. Like, if you look at uh, Howard pretending to be a, a brave fighter and whatnot. And uh, Oscar and Cutie both pretending to be brave. I was going to ask, like, what is the thematic through point? Because I think there is one calling it Oscar and his demon. There is not just the speech at the end, but the whole episode is letting us see the scenario of Oscar working through solving this problem and also having characters like Howard come in. I do think some points are weak. Like, he didn't really try crossing the river too hard. Just one little, you know, river snake put him off. Yeah, all it takes is one vicious monster in the river and nobody wants to set their feet in there. I don't get it. It's like Oscar's a wimp or something. I mean, he could have used stilts. Ooh, you're right. He could have pole vaulted over. There's there's a lot of options. Trebucket? 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 Trebuchet. Could have used a trebuchet. But yeah, I, I, I think there's something about being the same type of person who will allow themselves to speak in the library will, you know, find the way to get the berries. And Oscar did. Like, honestly, Oscar, for as much of a scaredy cat as he was, wasn't. He really did try novel ways to solve his problem and seemed pretty happy. Like, anytime he had a solution, he didn't even look that fearful. When he had that basket of oranges, he felt pretty com- He looked pretty confident that that was going to, you know, let him cross. He wasn't looking super anxiously at the tree when he was passing it. He was just kind of smiling and tossing the oranges on the ground. So I I think there's some development there. Of course, he could have easily just grabbed one gooseberry and run. But for some reason, instead of writing gooseberry on the list, they wrote gooseberries. And so he brought them approximately 50 times as many gooseberries as they needed. Yeah, I was getting concerned when Cutie was eating them. That way we were going to run out by the time we got back to the library, but uh, luckily it only needed one. Well, I mean, they can always get right back there, and uh, since there are no hideous monsters guarding the bush anymore. Overall, though, I like that we're far enough in Summer Camp Island that we have all these little experimental types of episodes. 
So just being able to do an episode where everyone's quiet is cool, but also we can still integrate a little bit of a character moment for Oscar and also a random uh, reinforcement of romance from Lucy, because why not? (laughs) Masterful. I'm just so disappointed that QD is just abruptly dropped after this episode. He's like, come on, Oscar, let's go hang out. And it's like, we, we never see him again. And it's like, he, he already knew Oscar's name. I mean, I guess, you know, Oscar is a glow worm. He's kind of a presence. You hear about him before you meet him. But I don't know. I, I, I just, you could have added him as a, as a new background friend. I don't think the opportunity is lost. We've had characters come back over a long time. Like, saxophone took quite a while to come back. Yeah, but like he was written off as, you know, going back to live with his family, so... Right, there was an excuse. Yeah, you had an excuse for why he's on a bus. Whereas with Cutie, it's like, yeah, you know, obviously he's not going to come out and hang with the campers every day, but like, we never even have an episode where it's like, it opens up with him, you know, leaving Oscar's cabin and saying, oh, see you later, Oscar, or anything. Maybe he's just too real for Oscar. (laughs) It's just too real. Oscar's a pretty real guy. I mean, uh, just struggling to put into words. It's like the way he perches on Oscar's shoulder like that and the way he delivers such a, like, it's a mean-spirited endorsement of free-spiritedness. It's like, (laughs) he's like the little devil on Oscar's shoulder. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he does have to attack the, what's the opposite of a librarian? Librarianese? Like, the, the, Mm. the... those who were in the library. Just the library goers? <laughs> I, I suppose. I do want a word that's the opposite of librarian now. Uh, because it could be handy. Library out, apparently. Ooh, oh, GC, the wordplay. Always so good. He does have to attack the library outs, but I still think his words are valid, and I will hold them in my heart forever. You know, you gotta give the devil his due, but, uh, I don't know. You call it Oscar and his demon. He says something mean about people while perched on Oscar's shoulder. What am I supposed to think other than, oh, he's a shoulder devil? Which also gives us a, a little more thought about like how Oscar's character developing if Oscar takes this message to heart as well. It's like, yeah, I'm going to embrace living my life out loud, <laughs> even when it comes at the expense of breaking the rules sometimes. So we can look to see if that behavior continues or not in future episodes. These are the selfish desires that Oscar will not allow himself to have. You know, he's the glow worm. He's always thinking about other people. Yeah, good point. And it's like that selfishness, though, in the speech is recognized as, yeah, you have that moment, but you allow yourself to remember that other people have those moments as well. And it's like, okay. And there is an empathy and sharedness to it. This is like what a glowworm's shoulder devil is like. The glowworm's shoulder devil isn't telling him to go out there and be mean to other people. It's just telling him that it's okay to inconvenience other people if it's really important to you at the time. Like, you need this sometimes, Oscar. He needs a shoulder <laughs> devil to remind him to take care of himself. I, those, I love that those are the lessons that Summer Camp Island imparts. They're, they're really getting at something so much better than just Friendship is cool sometimes, and also share your toys, you know? <laughs> it's it's much more nuanced and interesting. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Oscar and his Demon. Join us next week. Until then, 
I'm GC13. And I'm David. And if you're in a library right now, don't feel afraid to just shout out a five-star review for us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.